I'm Neve Brannigan and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. We're here to bring you closer to the latest and greatest talents from Irish film, TV and animation with recordings of live Q&As and interviews from our festivals and awards ceremonies as well as a host of brand new interviews. And have we got a treat for you. Today's guest has been described by Tony Scott in the New York Times as one of the most formidable actors in movies today, and by Film Daily as Hollywood's leading lady for a new generation. She shot to fame with her first Oscar nomination for Atonement, aged just 14, and most recently starred alongside Kate Winslet in Frances Lee's Ammonite. She's a Golden Globe winner, a multi-Academy Award nominee, and she's best known for her iconic roles in Hannah, Mary Queen of Scots, Lady Bird, Brooklyn, and Little Women. Our guest today is Saoirse Ronan. We're absolutely thrilled to have Saoirse on the podcast, but what makes this a particularly special episode is that today we're announcing that Saoirse has joined Irish Film London as our brand new patron. We're so privileged to already work with such an exquisite group of patrons, including Lenny Abramson, Mo Dunford, Colin Farrell, Ros Hubbard and Fiona Shaw. And with Saoirse on board, our team gets even stronger. We're beyond excited to see what the future holds for IFL, and we hope you are too. Our founder and director, Kelly O'Connor, caught up with Saoirse to find out what it's been like for her living in London and how she spent her time during the 2020 pandemic, about her aspirations to direct and plenty more. Finally, just before we kick things off, we'd like to thank the Irish Emigrant Support Programme for their ongoing support of our work, including this podcast series. Now, over to Saoirse and Kelly. So the first thing is, I want to say a massive thank you to you because you've joined us as a patron. So Irish Film London has welcomed you as a patron Yay! and we couldn't be happier. Thank you for having me. You moved to London recently, so it just makes so much sense now yeah it's sort of been like a process me moving to London I started it when I was 19 <laughs> and then sort of hopped back and forth um because as I'm sure you know it's it's like it can be a tough old city to crack but then once you're in and you've got your gang it's great and I actually said to someone recently who moved there um when he was like I don't know, 19 or 20 as well. I like, isn't it really weird to like be in London now and like not be scared of it anymore? <laughs> like, you don't know when the change happens, but I find that I'm there now and um, I'm spending like much more time down there now. And I'm not intimidated by it in the way I was for years. So it took me a whole year of being really homesick um, before I settled because I. I think I yeah. was, wasn't expecting London to feel any different to home, in a way. I That's really I thought, but like, oh, sure, it's only over there. And you're so familiar with the culture and everything. And you just expect it to be the same. And it just feels really cold then because you're expecting something that's, you know, not necessarily meeting you halfway. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that's why it was trickier for me is because I had the same expectation as you where I was like, it's just a bigger Dublin and like I didn't even live in Dublin <laughs> I, was, I don't know why I thought that would be okay for me to just like move over there but I had like I'd spent so much time there since I was a kid I was working over there loads and stuff and I thought oh I'll just be doing that full time and something about like knowing that 
there's no one really to fall back on at the beginning. I feel like actually it's almost easier the longer you're there because you do have more people to call on. Whereas at the beginning, you are just sort of you're you're so green and it's all so brand new. Yeah. Um, but but you you get there when if you stick with it, it, mm. it becomes really really amazing. And I think actually, like after the first lockdown when things were eased a little bit and then going back down to London it did make me appreciate the city an awful lot more because I I, I sort of realized like how much there is on offer in, in that city there's you know when you're allowed to there's like so many things that you can do that you can fill your day with so yeah and is there anywhere in particular in London that you've enjoyed discovering or are you still discovering um, I'm spending more time in South London now because I have a lot of friends there. So around by like East Dulwich and Peckham Rye is is quite cool. Um, and you know I've I've spent a lot of time West as well. And um, that's usually where you're hot when you when you film because all the studios are out West. So you know I've spent a lot of time around like Notting Hill and stuff. Um, and I've got a good few mates around there. And that's just sort of like a whole other world. That That is literally like Richard Curtis designed <laughs> it and allowed people to come in and live there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, you know, Hampstead and the Heath. I've always loved the Heath because I used to live in Highgate. I don't know why, but I moved to Highgate when I was 19, which was very kind of, premature but um but I go back now and I really enjoy the the loveliness of it and the parks and you know like that but but it is you're constantly discovering new places in the city and and one of the things that I have always loved which is why you know the the festival is so sort of important is, is that there is such a community of Irish people there and Celts and we tend to find each other so do you think it's something different about Irish people? The experience, the Irish diaspora experience is, is unique in any way. I mean, I do think it's a rite of passage for the Irish to move away. Um, and I think it was come to be said a lot when we were doing our Brooklyn press that we are like a nation of leavers. <laughs> um, as any kind of uh, population from a small country is really, you want to, it's, I think it's natural that you want to keep going further and further, or most people do anyway. And we have that sort of like um, migration setting in us naturally, where like just knowing that we come from a nomadic community, it makes sense that at a certain point you want to keep moving forward and moving further out. And, you know, my friend, one of my best, best friends, um, he's gone from. Carlo to Dublin where his family are from to New Zealand and he's going to be there now for the next few years and wow. you know it's like it's like he's like my little brother and I'm like oh god he's going to be there for a few years but also I'm I'm delighted that he's gonna have that experience because you do if you do eventually come back which I think most Irish people do in some form whether you move back permanently or you just you know make the effort to go back a lot or you've got a place there or whatever you'll always sort of return with this uh I I don't know this new kind of appreciation for home I suppose um Mm. and I think the unusual thing about about 
the Irish in particular is that we we really are everywhere. <laughs> like we we we've, we've, we've made our mark everywhere, and even I mean it sounds cheesy, but just even in terms of like the amount of Irish pubs that you will find. I mean I've seen them in every city I've gone to, in Tokyo, in Berlin, in Stockholm, you know everywhere. New Zealand, obviously Australia, all over America, um, all over the UK, um. And there's something about the the love of the culture that um, keeps us, we're very sort of popular to people abroad, I think. So we seem to be welcomed with open arms wherever we go, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely think it, it must stem from the, the growing up in such a small place, you know, and wanting to sort of reach out a little bit further. Mm, broaden your horizons a little bit yeah yeah it's all the tales of the diaspora yeah um yeah and that's it as well it's romantic isn't it like you you kind of grow up knowing that that's sort of like the way of your people a little bit absolutely and yeah. so I know you've spoken an awful lot about Brooklyn when um when you made that film and am I right in saying you just moved when you made that film so actually when you were awesome. yeah so so you were experiencing some of the things that your character was experiencing at that time like I remember the scene when you yeah. read the letters and you were just bawling crying you know and it was really visceral and then I, I think afterwards you were saying it really tapped something in you it was it was just me really it was the it was one of the most difficult jobs I've ever done because there it was almost impossible for me to separate my experience from the character's experience and because I was going through it so um in such a sort of extreme way at that point and was also like at an age where everything is changing anyway and things are becoming bigger and you know more kind of exciting and further away from home and all the rest of it and I'm not kind of you think I would be because I've been doing this for so long but I wouldn't be great with like change and stuff like it takes I'm sort of I'm more a creature of habit and it takes me a while to be like okay I'm enjoying this now because I know this so yeah. anything new like that I really it takes me a minute and to to portray a character in the middle of that experience mm. that was that was going through something so similar emotionally was just um really it was really overwhelming and then on top of that to shoot half of the film 20 minutes away from where I grew up yeah. which you know it was a place that I hadn't lived in for years um that was that was a lot as yeah. well I mean it was just and it probably makes me sound like oh god it's just all too much I'm not usually <laughs> like that with jobs like I'm usually very good at sort of you know going okay put that to bed now we're off set and I can go back to being me again mm. um because I just think if you can hold on to that mentality it's a much healthier way to be if you're going to spend your life pretending to be someone that you're not um but but I did find that very difficult and I think John Crowley who had obviously he moved to London when he was younger as well uh he he for sure recognized that that's what was going on and mm -hmm. really looked after me you know and and but pushed me as well like really like pushed me a lot more <laughs> than I thought he would you know I went into it kind of being like oh I'm playing an Irish girl she's from Enniscorthy like 
she's moved away from home brilliant I know how to do that um, and it actually ended up being one of the one of the hardest characters to play um, but you've played so many other roles that are really iconic women you know different periods of time and that um, do you find are they easier to play characters that are completely removed from who you are um, and anything to do with your own life do you find that easier I did find that easier and I think Andrew Scott said something similar at one stage that when he was younger I, I mean I think this is right someone told me that he had said this that he all he wanted to do was play very different from himself and play completely opposite to who he was and you know accents and all that sort of stuff and like whenever I've talked about work especially growing up that was always the thing for me like I want to sound different I want to be different I, I was playing girls that in terms of their circumstances just couldn't be more polar opposite to me and my situation and my life and stuff because they were like you know a girl who died or a girl in 1930s middle class England in in you know Shropshire or whatever and it's completely different but actually I think I've probably, you know, playing these characters has been the biggest education for me in my life um, because you do take something with you of them when, when you go. Um, and, and I think now that I'm older, whenever I come to a new character, yeah, I don't want it to just be me. But I am, probably because I'm more comfortable now in myself, I, I am more... Um, attracted to um make, making a, a character I don't know maybe even like sound like me a little bit or just I think how they speak always seems to be a, a real gateway for me into mm. who they are and I found after playing Mary Queen of Scots but especially playing Joe March I now like really want to mess them up a little bit mm-hmm. um and, and not make them so removed from who I am, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not as afraid of that anymore, I guess. Unless the character was right, I don't know if I'd want to just use my own voice. Mm-hmm. But I really, there's been like a couple of jobs now that I've looked at and I thought, oh, that'd be much better if I just did an Irish accent. Like me, because even, even the Irish accent in Brooklyn, it's not, it's a country accent. It's not it's not mine um but it's just familiar to me and I've, yeah. I've felt as well and like in terms of comedy and stuff it's so much easier to do comedy when you're when you're doing an accent that you're used to um mm. so any kind of comic stuff that's come my way in particular I've been like can I can I do it in an Irish accent <laughs> instead because <laughs> then I don't have to worry about you know kind of adjusting my sense of humor that was yeah. one of the things I found tricky with ladybirds is because it's american so yeah yeah like, okay but it's not a valley girl it's not a caricature so that took me a minute to adjust to like this different sense of humor that comes with that accent you know mm-hmm. yeah and so actually comedy is something i wanted to talk to you a little bit about because that you've you've played so many um you've been in so many dramas but with ladybird we did definitely see a little comedy side of you and i know you're a comedy fan yourself with the global pandemic which is going on obviously we're seeing a little bit of a change in terms of scripts like what 
people are writing and what people want to see. And a lot of people are saying that they feel there'll be a lot more comedy and escapism and things like that. Do you, do you think that's true? Do you think that there will be a shift to that? Have you seen a shift that way? And would it be something that you're interested in? Um, I haven't seen the shift yet, but that's mainly because a lot of the scripts that have been floating around that I've read recently have, have been about for, you know, a year or eight months or whatever. So like right before we knew what was going to happen. But I, I could definitely see it going down that road. I mean, one of the things for me is is like within the world of the arts, comedy is something that I think we're all unbelievably desperate for maybe mm. without even realizing it to just have somebody make us laugh is 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 a real tonic for everyone right now and um even with the type of tv and film that people are watching it's very it's from what I've heard from my friends and even me as well like I'm not watching anything that's too heavy too much mm. um because you just need a bit of a respite, I think, yeah, from definitely. everything that's gone on. Yeah. And also, like, you know, with comedy, even though it's not like out and out comedy, but with, even with the kind of stuff that Greta Gerwig has done mm. on her own and with Noah, and like Wes Anderson and people like that, like, it, they're funny, but then when there's these poignant moments, it's so much more heartbreaking than just yeah. a straight up drama most of the time because you've been lifted up and then they'll sort of they'll, it's the they'll, shock of the fall there'll be this blow yeah exactly and it hits you so much more yeah you know? definitely um so i i just i have so much respect for that genre and like the people that are really good at it i just think they're they're the smartest out of all of us like well that's it because it's it's quite hard to write comedy you know it's something I think a lot of people are drawn to but it's it's quite hard to be really good at that so are you is there anything mm. on Netflix or Amazon or any of those kinds of things that you've got like guilty pleasures you've been watching stuff now like during the lockdown and all this what are you into like yeah I've been watching so much and I feel bad saying it's a guilty I mean it is a guilty pleasure even I wonder do you know what I'm gonna say <laughs> but over the last couple of weeks I've been introduced to Emily in Paris and <laughs> yeah. I love it really oh fantastic <laughs> I love it because it's like it's this light-hearted thing Absolutely. and Lily is so lovely in it and you know there's no mention of a pandemic or reality in like any way and Absolutely. um and it's just like really charming and I've I've loved watching that so I binge watched that um oh, recently and love that and then you know you've got that and then you've also got like the Trump show on BBC which is like really fucking depressing and yeah. also uh but kind of not hilarious but like when you when that show like goes through the timeline of his presidency and you look back and you think god in three months so much happened it's all, it is almost laughable like how um insane it's been over the last like few years so yeah so we've we've definitely been uh you know things like that the Murdoch documentary that came out as well a few mm. months ago like sort of slips off in between the two but but Emily in Paris and we've been watching all the Harry Potter films <laughs> oh like, really <laughs> and Modern Family as well oh god yeah, I, I started that. Modern Family yeah <gasps> I mean there's so Skinny much there. thing there's so much to watch. Have you seen um, Schitt's Creek? Yes. 
I so my Alex actually my friend um she was the one that introduced me to it about three years ago really? and everyone's now kind of caught up to it so yeah. she sort of like smugly sat back now and <laughs> she she saw it first but yeah yeah I've always loved Shit's Creek um and at the beginning of the pandemic before everyone was properly like you know a bit low uh mm. Ozark was obviously yeah their, their new season was, was great and stuff so there's there's terrific terrific stuff out there I mean it, the, the film um the, the sort of release of the film right now is is hard um sure I mean I've got one coming out soon and it's yeah it's it's I'm interested to know how the public have been finding that like I I kind of yeah. would have access to films through like you know different websites that are coming out I'd be interested to know how they've found it yeah definitely and it's something I mean obviously we were on film we were in multiple film festivals um and so we were part of that community and there you know mm. there was just absolute you know we were just terrified didn't know what to what was going to happen um but actually mm. it's been amazing because people have found really creative ways to sort of manage and adapt and audiences are you know film audiences are so loyal they're just yeah they just want to see films. They just want to see content. They, yeah. you know, they follow every, every um, project that a writer does or a director or their favorite yeah. talent. Um, and so we've, there's such an appetite there for it, you know? So I think, yeah. I think the releases online have been surprising from your perspective with it. It must be strange. You know, you would have originally, you would have known the journey that a film would take and all, and kind of the timeline as well in general. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it must be very strange for you guys to make something, put it out into the world, and then yeah. you know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's strange. Um, but, it, but you know, I think you're right. I think there's something, I mean, it's easy for me to say when I don't have something I've, like, made, like, myself coming out. But I also feel like maybe it's it's kind of refreshing to not just follow the same formula mm-hmm. as we do every single year where like a film goes to a festival it probably gets bought and it goes on a campaign or the actors go on a campaign for like six months for it then will it go to this award show it goes mm-hmm. to that award show and then it goes to the off it's it's what I've been hearing just from like publicists mainly who are having to rethink the way they promote a movie or a client or whatever is like actually everything is quite the the sort of uh approach is is geared towards like more purist films because so many of the big movies that have started to make their way into the award circuit have been pushed so smaller independent films are actually getting a chance to be given that notoriety that maybe they wouldn't have done if they were overshadowed by a bigger studio movie that was on the circuit as well so yeah I think it's been it's definitely been good for everyone to just shake things up a bit and I know even for actors as well who have been doing promotion like I I, I'll be interested to see if this has a big effect on how we do junkets in the future because Mm -hmm. it's so kind of extensive and it's so long for so many actors in particular like months and months and months that will it get to the stage where you know we can like sit in our t-shirt and jeans and, and just have a chat and yeah is that a more kind of accessible um 
world for, for an audience member to see an astral like that. It's just, it's, it's an yeah. interesting time. Everything's been having to be shifted so much. Yeah. It's good to have a shake up every now and again, I think, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And, and I liked what you said there about there being more opportunities for independent films and, and maybe younger filmmakers coming up. Irish Film London, we do a lot of work with um, established actors and talent and um, directors, filmmakers, but we also do lots of things with young filmmakers and the, the next generation and trying to find those voices and, and give them an opportunity. Um, I know you've done workshops with like the Bow Street Academy um, and things like that, which are just wonderful. Um, is, is that something that's important to you, sort of making that space for the next generation coming up? Yeah, it is. I think in particular for Irish filmmakers, because I can see already like the growth in the industry over the last few years because of the likes of Lenny Abramson and like people like yourself and Maureen Hughes and the Hubbards and all these people, Kirsten Sheridan, all these people getting together to really harness new talent and, you know, realizing that we don't live in LA or New York or even London where that is a sort of possibility for a young person growing up. We don't really grow up thinking I mean I, I wouldn't have thought that if my dad hadn't become an actor mm. purely by chance like out of a bar in New York <laughs> that he was working in so um so it's it's been really wonderful to to let younger people know that like this is an option for you as well and and not just acting but like for filmmakers to know that they can get into it mm. like I've I've seen a lot of like you know even my my mom's friends kids who mm. want to be writers or ADs, assistant directors, or they want to produce or, you know, um, letting younger people know that, you know, acting is obviously amazing, but there's, there are hundreds of different departments and you really can, that is the great thing about film, you really can kind of find your niche. You mm. can find something very, very specific Absolutely. that is your, um, that can become your craft and, it there's a way to make that work in the film industry it's amazing like mm. do you think that we're starting to see more female professionals in the film industry like outside of directors writers actors crew and and even cinematographers and things like that yeah I think there is I think um one of the biggest shifts that is definitely starting to happen is like um there are more female camera departments now or just more women in the camera department and in the sound departments and um they're very male dominated departments usually yeah. um and and also like there's so many dps that i worked with like eve belanger for example who did um brooklyn who's like the most sensitive man in the mm -hmm. world so it makes sense for him to have, not that every woman is sensitive or anything, but just to have to have other people around him that were sort of like-minded and have the, the same sort of energy. It really speaks to that movie. Because I think you need to think about that as well. You need to think about like the type of, are you going to have like, is the film about like a bunch of young girls? Okay, well, what makes sense then in terms of the type of crew we have around them? Um, is it, you know, a mental action film that's like high pace or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's just. I think it, it must be so reassuring for younger crew members to know that like 
they're actually being considered in a way that they that they weren't before and there's still like such a long way to go I mean it's you know I've grown up with it just being a certain way so even for me I've had to sort of like open my eyes a bit and realize like oh shit actually I've never I had never worked with it have I ever worked with a female DP no I don't think I have I don't think I've ever worked with a female DP that's me next on your list so <laughs> yeah unless I'm I might be missing somebody but for the most part no I don't think I have um, yeah and without you being conscious of that you you kind of especially if you've grown up with it you're like the way it is so it's been really important for everyone to sort of basically just wake up and rethink um you know what a crew looks like Mm. and making just making space for that like working with people like Greta like they are mindful I think of who's around them and what that means for the team and what what it would mean to hire somebody who perhaps had a disability or was a person of color and you know I think you're right I think it is about the people who are in the privileged positions all of us you know stopping and kind of going maybe I could make a little bit of space here and it might take more time and you might need to put a bit more effort in mm. but actually because it does at the end of the day it needs to come down to like who's best for the job so if you open up those doors even further and go right I'm not just going to look at these few people that I already know are good I'm going to like as you say make space bring all these other people and go oh fuck actually that person would be really great and I didn't know they were that great and you know there's that's why I think like working with younger filmmakers having these workshops and really harness them like the young people that is in in any field or any industry that is the most important thing because if they're growing up being trained properly then everyone's going in at a certain level you know you don't have to just bring someone in to tick a box you're bringing them in because they're actually really well qualified and and they're they're going to be a really great asset to have on set you know yeah great Okay, well, so we've talked about young filmmakers um, and I want to talk about some more established people now. Um, so you seem to have quite a lot of overlap with some of our other patrons now. I know you know Ros Hubbard very well. Um, and you've been, we, we'll get on to Ammonite in a minute because I want to talk to you about Ammonite, but you were um, in scenes with Fiona Shaw in Ammonite and I know you were in yeah. um, Hosier's cherry wine music video with Mo Dunford who's another one of our yeah. patrons yeah. but the other two patrons so we have Colin Farrell and Lenny Abramson now have you secretly done like a pilot with like starring with Colin directed by Lenny because you seem to have an awful lot of overlap with our other patrons I wish I mean I've worked with Colin Colin and I did a Peter Weir film together years ago called The Way Back so um, I've known I've known Colin since I was about like fifteen, mm. and I love him to bits. And Lenny, I'm desperate for Lenny to put me in a film. <laughs> I'm so desperate. I know oh, what I am. Um, and yeah, we haven't we haven't had a chance to work together yet. But um, he does a lot of stuff with Educate Together. Um, yeah, the incredible <clears throat> group of schools throughout Ireland and I've done a little tiny tiny bit of work with them 
mm-hmm. um, because of him he sort of introduced me to them and they're mm-hmm. they're incredible um so yeah I mean we all we all know each other but um but Lenny's the only one I haven't worked with yet <laughs> we Lenny. have a word <laughs> we'll have a word with Lenny and see what he says <laughs> I, I always get really competitive with Donald Gleason because he's done like loads of stuff with him he's like oh are you doing anything with Lenny because I am <laughs> yeah oh that's terrible he's such a brat <laughs> <laughs> he is he's the biggest brat out of all of us I think do you think is he no I think I think I think it's a toss-up between myself and Donald yeah <laughs> we're both brats I think so so I suppose sticking with Lenny um normal people did you yeah. see it what did you think um I mean so had you read had you read the book before you saw the show I did, yes. I've read both of Sally's books and loved them and saw how they were just sort of like uh, taken over the world, really. It was amazing, like the effect that they've, they've kind of had on the zeitgeist and stuff. And um, yeah, and, and yeah, speaking of series that I watched throughout lockdown, that was one of them when it came out. And I remember, I remember like the, the BBC logo and then um a series by Lenny Abramson written by Sally Rooney and Paul's name coming up and Daisy as well but like all of these Irish names on the BBC and it, it's become like the, the, the best series they've probably brought out this year um and in a long time and I was just so I was so proud of it like it was just I thought it was perfect and um the two of them together were incredible and yeah. Daisy's accent was so good which is it's so hard and she did such a good terrifying. job her accent was amazing amazing really I mean amazing. I think I'd I actually did I think I'd watched maybe two episodes before I actually found out that she wasn't and her Daisy's job was so difficult to, to because the, the characters are difficult to mm-hmm. you know they're so complex yeah, they are. and Daisy had a really really hard job and I remember even reading it and going like god I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do yeah. and I remember watching her doing it and I thought oh she's like cracked it I, I really yeah. thought like she she did something really brilliant with it and really got to the heart of of who she was and you know that's that's hard to do that so yeah no I think she did it I think great. you're right she um because yeah. it, it could have been done she was she was very subtle with it and actually it could have been done very like it could have been really edgy actually like that character yeah. could have been played really uh, much harder like too hard yeah. yeah she could have just been like a like a dick and she yeah. wasn't she's like <laughs> exactly. you know what i mean exactly like, I, was, I, I was kind of skirting around that but yes exactly yeah, that but she could have but she could have been and like obviously that's not what sally had written but if it, if it was in the wrong hands it could have there could have just been this one element of the character yeah. that was brought out and I remember there there was one scene or sort of like throughout the whole secondary school section where what I really liked about that character is that she wasn't sort of in secondary school going like my life is ruined because nobody likes me she knows that she's going to get out and she's going to be <laughs> she's going to be better than absolutely all of them you know um yeah. or, or sort of is just going to find find her way and She's just sort of waiting patiently for that to happen. And it's mm. really very, very interesting character to see lead a show. So so I know Lenny Lenny has said about uh, normal people and, and about the move to 
TV rather than film. And he said it was really interesting for him because it, it meant he could explore characters in more depth and they had more time to unfold. Um, mm -hmm. Is TV something that you'd be interested in doing and have you been approached for that? I'm sure you have over the years. Is it something yeah. that you think might happen? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of just waiting for the right thing to come along, mm. really. Um, like, I, I love TV. I absolutely mm. love it. I've always loved telly. And, and I've always sort of felt like, especially um, comedy has been, like, light years ahead of film in terms of, like, you know, even just sort of scenes that you would see that, that consist of just women and what they would talk about and how many of them are in a scene and how frequently and yeah. all that sort of stuff and um just, I always go back to like girls or the, the stuff that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler mm. did yeah. or absolutely fabulous as well like when we think about when that came out we never we what I liked about Ab Fab was that you never watch that show and go this is a show about women and it's very yes. aware it's just this great show that follows these like incredible female comics that are hilarious and like so flawed yeah, and so selfish yeah. and really smart and really dumb and you know and it's just a straight up comedy and it, mm. it's, I I that that was the kind of stuff I grew up watching so yeah I I would definitely love to do like a a limited series or um or something like that but it is just about finding the right thing I think yeah you know? yeah the right team so I know with normal people they had I think it's Ita O'Brien they had a, a intimacy coach who choreographed their movements and, and worked with them on something quite not formal and you know they were certainly involved in the process but when you you and Kate were in Ammonite I know that mm -hmm. um you were more involved together on choreographing those intimate scenes what was that like for you? Was it um, was it freeing to be able to do that, or would you have kind of liked for there to be someone guiding it? Um, no, it was it was great for us to take the reins. Really, I mean, I have for the most part had like great experiences doing intimate scenes. You know, on Mary Queen of Scots, we had Wayne McGregor, who is a, a choreographer, and he is wonderful and I felt very very safe with him and the other actor that we were doing the scene with so that was a good experience as well but yeah with this I mean for for Kate and I and Francis is very good at sort of stepping back and saying listen you guys do what you feel comfortable with and and also kind of you know when you have the opportunity to do an intimate scene where you are sort of in control of the choreography being able to go like oh I really want to see this or like yeah you know I've never seen that or um weirdly kind of making it more of a personal thing you know mm. um and I don't know incorporating both of your experiences w with intimacy into this scene so it felt like it felt familiar to both of us um and then you know getting to act that out with someone who I'm so comfortable with and get on so well with and she does with me Um, it was only lovely really and like you know for me with sex scenes like once they're handled appropriately and you're you're doing it with someone that you're comfortable with they are like purely technical like 
there's nothing there's nothing sexy about them <laughs> it's not like doing you know if you kiss someone I actually get I get a little nervous when I have to just kiss someone because it is a kiss and there's no getting away from that but with a sex scene like it couldn't be further from sex yes. if you try <laughs> it's so technical it's so sort of like do you want me to okay why don't you just put your hand yeah just just put up put on my arse okay great <laughs> and like being able to have that open conversation takes all of the sexiness yeah. and the and the mystique out of it for us while mm-hmm. we're doing it which is actually really good so I, I've been lucky that I've never felt too like freaked out by doing that stuff but that is also because I've had decent experiences and um yeah I mean Kate and I just took our notebooks out and okay step one <laughs> put your hand on my shoulder step two I'll nuzzle your neck and give you a little kiss and and it was good we we had a very clear um map for the whole thing so but it's amazing yeah. that something that's so technical can come across in such an intimate way in the finished product obviously 100% of the time you would want for it to feel incredibly pure and um full of reality but you know when the more you kind of learn your craft or the more aware you are of the operation of a film set you do have to take into account like okay what does the scene need and it Mm. needs a bit of this or the camera's here so I'm gonna slowly turn around this way and you know there's there's an awareness that you start to have just about like the the technical side of it that um that hopefully the audience will never notice in the final product and they'll only see the the emotion and stuff but yeah like you're you're doing a job at the end of the day so that does need to come into it a bit yeah yeah um so other questions i have on ammonite um the sea looked so cold when you had your first sea swim scene it was lime regis where you were filming yeah lime regis um in like March in March it looked so cold do you like sea swimming is it something that you yeah I I absolutely love it and I grew up where I grew up in Carlo um we had the river Slaney run right by our house and we actually had a private gate that went down to the river so I like I learned to swim in like a pretty fast moving river (laughs) that had like mountain water like brown mountain water running throughout it and rocks and eddies and things like that so um so I've always loved the sensation of like freezing cold water anyway Mm -hmm. and we know now of course it's very very good for you and it's very good for your immune system and all that sort of stuff so I'm actually uh hopefully going to be swimming in a loch over the weekend um, which would be nice and I just it's like a drug like you just feel so exhilarating. I mean, it is a drug. Chemically, it, it like does something to you, and you feel so exhilarated by it. So, um, yes, yeah, so I I really love. Obviously, you can't stay in for too long when it's that cold, but I love doing things like that. Um, I don't really feel. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I rivers are my favorite just because that's what I grew up with. But I love cold water. So Roz Overt is one of our patrons, and and we know Roz and John. They've been over to the festival so many times, and they're just such lovely warm people um now I know that both Roz and John had a big impact on you when you were quite young what was it like having them in your life when you were starting out in your career it's wonderful to have two people that are as you say so kind and 
really like proud of you and supportive and also just really good at what they do in your corner like we'll see each other every now and again and especially in those first few years and I mean, hopefully that will keep continuing where we'll see each other and go like god isn't this mad do you remember when I went into you for proof too and I had never really been in anything except the clinic and you know John was so nice and I think John and Dan did that one and um Roz and John had put me in my very first film um and they just I think when they have someone that they really believe in they will fight tooth and nail for them and they will support you to the end like they 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 feel like godparents to me like they, they've always felt like family to me and they were incredibly good to my dad and, and very supportive of him uh throughout his career and then that kind of moved on to me when I started as well and you know in in this kind of like mad industry with all the unpredictability and all the uh the ups and downs of it and stuff to be able to see their faces every now and again and go like oh okay yeah you're you're here I'm fine you know it makes it really has made a massive difference and I just love them we've talked a little bit about um family and um you spoke about Kate and and how working together with um with other women is uh, is something that seems to be very important to you and I think that comes down to friendship and I know that you've mentioned um Eileen Higgins quite a lot and some of your other friends so for you how important are friendships like that especially for somebody who works in the film industry it's so important like the the male and female friends that I have made over the years and there you know there aren't probably as many as you'd think because the ones that are really you know close to you um the ones that stick around are are definitely few and far between but the likes of Eileen and lots and lots of other people that I've I've met who are the people that I see like two three times a week to be able to and James McArdle is one of them who's in mm. Ammonite he plays my husband and he was in Mary Queen of Scots as well to have somebody on set that you can just look at and kind of a look sort of says a thousand words to them yeah that means everything and Eileen and I we had you know we we just totally clicked on Brooklyn and, and just kind of became best mates like straight away um and and we were sort of going through a similar thing at the same time there was there was just something we were both going through that made us really click which which makes you kind of think like oh it's so important to have people that you can see some of yourself in whether it's in a movie or people that you work with or whatever um but but yeah whenever things were stressful um or I felt out of my depth or she did or we felt like oh god set that scene up like is that all right to have someone there that's actually going to tell you the truth and kind of like give your hand a little squeeze it makes such a difference and I think definitely having come out of Mary Queen of Scots and made probably that film more than any other I've made so many like really fantastic Mm -hmm. friends and now sort of starting to think about like producing and directing myself at at some stage I, I need to I need to get on it but um but I only want to do that with people that I'm close to I, I just sort of if you're in a position where you're doing it just because you want to do it I don't see the point in doing it unless you're going to do it with your mates who are really going to push you 
and really gonna you know pull you up on things and ask ask tough questions in a way that maybe somebody um knew wouldn't um so have you written anything and if you were writing would it be tv or film actually because your interest is in in it would be it would be a film um yeah i think because the discipline of writing tv is is very different to film mm. I'm more used to I think just because I've read so many film scripts and I've done I've only done film really so that's kind of where my head would go yeah there is something I want to do and I have I I have a producer friend of mine that'll text me every week or two and be like have you done it yet and I still haven't <laughs> done it um it's Fola actually who who oh, have brilliant. you met Fola who produced yes. my yeah she's a brilliant brilliant irish producer amazing doing amazing work and um, she's been at me now for the last few weeks good, um, good. but now i i at least have an idea um and uh yeah i just have to do it i like yeah need the discipline i think so Serge, now we've we've had the most important part of the conversation and i think you know it's time now to really reflect on what we've talked about so we're going to play um, Ismahlum, which uh-huh. for our non-Irish listeners means I like Askelga. Um, it's not in Irish though, so don't panic, you will understand it. It's a quick fire round and I'll ask you to pick your favourite between two things or places or people. Is that okay with you? You ready? Yeah, quite nervous. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Some of this might be a bit controversial. The first one is Dublin or Cork? Cork. May Rudolph or Kirsten Wig? Kirsten Wig. Teddy bear or cuddly blanket? Teddy bear. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Pictures of babies or pictures of puppies? Puppies. <laughs> gin or whiskey? Gin. Gin, always gin. Tea or coffee? Tea. Would you like to write or direct? Direct. Do you like ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. Ed Sheeran or Hosier? Oh, that's. I mean, I, I have. I mean, I have to pick. I have to pick Andrew. He's Irish. Ed's only half Irish. Oh, that is controversial. That's going to be serious. sorry, Ed. Well, he is. Only his dad that's Irish. <laughs> and the tattoo. Oh dear. Um, oh, no. it's fair. It's fair. It's fair. She's spoken. What happened? Okay. Uh, time with family or time with friends. Oh my god! I know. Um, probably. Oh, that's right. I mean, I, I love both, but like, I do love time with friends. Oh god, your poor mammy. <laughs> Sir, your poor mammy. <laughs> Mam needs a break from me as well. Mam's got France. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, not too many more. So, watching TV or films? Oh god. <laughs> I do love telly. You're allowed to love. I love. I love. I love. I love both for different reasons, but I I watch more TV. There you go. That's that's fine. That's fine. What I'll say. Uh, New York or London? Uh, that's also really difficult. Well, I have to say London, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, I suppose you probably. I probably, I probably London now. It used to be New York, but now London. I would say. Okay, yeah. that'll do. Um, yeah. Okay, playing Lady Bird or playing Mary Queen Scots? Um, I loved playing Mary Queen of Scots. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, 
interesting I just, one, so, I just like the accent. And uh, you were, that accent was incredible, actually. That was, thank yeah. You. Um, so your costume from, your costumes from Brooklyn or from Mary Queen of Scots? I mean, the, the Mary Queen of Scots, Odile and Alex are both fantastic. But yeah, I mean, the, I'll, I'll probably never wear costumes like the Mary Queen of Scots ones again. They're all made out of denim. So that's are really they? cool. Are yeah. they? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, final one is um, sleeping or chatting to friends? Sleeping. I don't I don't, I mean, I'm not into talking on the phone. I don't like it. There's like four people I'm comfortable talking with on the phone. I don't mm-hmm. like the what's expected of you. I don't mm-hmm. like that, you know, if you're on FaceTime or Zoom, you can do other things yeah. and comment on them. I don't like that it's purely your voice. Um, so, yes. I mean, I love chatting to my friends. But only, you know, yeah, in, in, a, a few. There's in, only a few I would choose over sleep. So, Zirsh, what's coming up for you next? What can we expect to see in? Um, so I, well, the French Dispatch is probably going to come out next year, the new Wes Anderson. So there's that, um, which I'm only in for a second, but it's very, very good. And there's a couple of films that I'm doing that I can't talk about yet because they haven't been announced or anything. Um, but one is a comedy, which is really exciting. So, oh, well, yeah. we're going to look forward to that. Yeah, Great. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Good, great, 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 very exciting. Okay, well, listen, um, Sergio, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat to us. And we're so delighted that you've joined us as a patron. And we can't wait to work with you more over the years. Um, whether it'll be in person or not remains to be seen. Uh, eventually, it will. Yes, it will eventually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much you. for taking the time. All right. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's a wrap from Kelly and Sergio. A huge thanks to Sersha for giving us her time today and for doing us the great honour of becoming a patron of IFL. And of course, thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, there's more to come. So remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check us out at irishfilmfromhome.com too. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Simply search Irish Film London on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme, who've been a wonderful supporter of ours for a number of years, providing encouragement and vital support. Gurmila Mahagut. The Irish Film London podcast is presented by me, Neve Brannigan. Our executive producer is Kelly O'Connor. We're mixed and edited by Owen Billcliffe, and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next time.